Hey there, this is NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Glenn Weldon. We've got a couple kids' picture books for you today, both about the strange kind of comfort that physical objects can provide. In a minute, we'll hear about Kevin Johnson and Kit Thomas's book about the power that a piece of red cloth can confer upon a kid in a moment of grief. But first up is author John Clausen's latest, The Skull. It's a creepy name for a kid's book, sure, but it's not so much scary as weird, based as it is on an old Austrian folktale about a little girl who runs away from home, meets a friendly talking skull, and just sort of hangs out with it. Klassen talked to Julie Deppenbrock on Morning Edition. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu with Black Twitter, A People's History, from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, Black Twitter, A People's History, tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, A People's History, premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. Ever since he was a child, John Clausen has been drawn to a certain kind of reading material. I was a real scaredy cat about most things, especially film and TV and stuff. I would turn it off pretty quick if it looked like it was about to (laughs) scare me. But books I always really felt brave with, especially books that I knew were meant for me. I think that that was a big deal, and it's something I still sort of try for, is that like aesthetically you want to make sure that the kid knows that they're in territory that was aimed at them, right? And then you can go a lot of places. As long as the type is the right size and the trim is the right size of the book and everything, they feel like, okay, I'm allowed to read this. And I always got a real thrill out of books that felt like that, but you were still reading kind of darker, scary stuff. The Skull is definitely darker than Clausen's past work. This new book is sort of the first time I've, I think I've done like a let's tell a scary story kind of feeling one. The other ones are edgy, but I think it kind of sneaks up on you a little bit. But Clausen wants to be clear. This book is not too scary for kids. And there's comedy in it. That's a big part of building trust with his audience of young readers. Clausen says if you can tell a pretty good joke... Hopefully they trust you as a storyteller to kind of take care of them through a scarier part. Whereas if you haven't been doing anything with them for 10 pages and all of a sudden you scare them, they're kind of wondering who you are. Clausen first discovered a version of the skull at a library in Alaska. And I like to go to folktale sections of like libraries or bookstores when you're in a different town, just because they usually have some random local stuff that you wouldn't find anywhere else. The story stuck with him. The premise was simple. A little girl named Attila runs away from home. And she finds a house in the woods and there's a, an animate skull living in there. And I thought that's such a great start for a story. Clausen was not a fan of how the original folktale ended, with the spell broken and the skull transformed into a beautiful lady in white. So his retelling is a bit different. No spoilers, but here's an excerpt from the story. When it was dark, Otilla made some tea and a fire in the fireplace room. Would you give me some tea, please, said the skull. Otilla took a teacup and poured the tea through his mouth and onto the chair. Ah, nice and warm, said the skull. Thank you. The sweetest and strangest part of this story is the friendship that forms between Attila and the skull. They take care of each other. Right away, they seem gentle with each other. And I really wanted to write that without sort of writing it explicitly, to just be like, these guys really like each other. Clausen leaves out certain details from the story. Why Attila runs away is never explained. He wants to give kids the space to engage, to think, to feel some way about all of it. A lot of my favorite stories... They aren't necessarily about a moral or a lesson. They're just sort of like 
I feel better now in a very general way. And that was sort of the idea here. It was like, do you feel better? Like, I think I felt better. I used to teach first grade, so Clausen's work was familiar to me. I've seen the smiles kids get on their faces after reading his books and looking at the pictures, which Clausen says are just as important to understanding the story. Julie Deppenbrock, NPR News. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Dive into the chilling new Hulu original series, Under the Bridge, the riveting adaptation of the acclaimed true crime book. Based on shocking true events, Under the Bridge tells the haunting story of a murder that lays bare a small community's darkest secrets. Go deep into the hidden world of the town's tormented teenagers as detectives race to solve the sinister crime. Starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone, Under the Bridge is now streaming with new episodes Wednesdays, only on Hulu. Next up in the new book Cape, written by Kevin Johnson and illustrated by Kit Thomas, a young boy loses someone important, someone very close to him. He's too young to process that death in the way that adults around him do and finds that donning a bright red cape gives him the power to deal with his feelings as he sets out on his own personal journey of grief on his own terms. Johnson and Thomas spoke to Miles Parts on Weekend Edition Sunday. A new children's book transforms a sad, scared, and anxious little boy into a superhero. The book is called Cape, in honor of the bright red cape the little boy wears and finds comfort in following the death of his father. Cape is Kevin Johnson's debut picture book, and it's vividly illustrated by artist Kit Thomas. And they both join me now. Hi, guys. Hi, it's nice to meet you. Hey, thanks for having me. This whole book is unique because it is about grief, right? And I can't remember another book that is so specifically about this. Is that why you wanted to write this book? You know, I wrote this in the in the middle of the pandemic, actually, right after my father passed away. And uh, while his death wasn't unexpected, I still was really struggling to come to terms with it. And so at that same time, I started to read about all these children who had lost their caregivers as a result of uh, covid and that's where Cape really, the genesis of where it came from. I want to focus in on this one spread that I think to me is the most striking moment of the book, which is the boy is at the funeral reception and the adults are kind of sharing memories and clearly processing the loss that they're going through. But then you turn the page and the little boy just says, I don't want to. Kit, can you describe what this page looks like for listeners who don't have the book in front of them? So this page has the boy curled up and a blank space with the words, I don't want to, just very bold caps font. I wanted to show us a glimpse of the void that he feels and the loneliness in this moment. You know, he's hollow, he's empty and has no way of really coming to terms with the emotions he's facing. And, and I think that's what a lot of us can relate to when we're dealing with grief. It's, it's you know, not really knowing what to turn to uh, to come out of that. I think I come away from this book based on the illustrations in your dedication at the end that this is about a father figure in this boy's life. But you never name the relationship or the character who this boy has lost. Why not? I felt like it was important for this to be a universal story accessible to everybody who's lost someone. I didn't want to limit it and make it so specific. Yes, the dedication of my dad is there, but I, I thought about, like I said, all these children who lost, you know, aunties and uncles and grandparents and, you know, or maybe it's just a cousin. You never know what it is. But hopefully then when they're they're reading the story and they're they're sort of following along this grief journey, they can plug themselves in and find a sense of hope themselves. 
Kit, can you talk about how did you work on getting the cape to be this its own kind of being? Yeah. Uh, so I sort of wanted the cape almost to sort of go through a journey with our main character. Personally, I was also a really big fan of comics, and I know that's something that kids can relate to. And when you're a kid, sometimes you can escape into like so many different worlds. When you're having these moments of grief, sometimes when you're not taught how to process things, you know, the media that you can consume almost becomes like a teacher for you, if not almost like a person who can also comfort you. Kevin, where do you see this story going from here? How does this kind of grief journey for this little boy continue after the book? We go from the outer reaches of space to the depths of the ocean, and then we we find our hero, you know, soaring at the very end with a a new uh, vision on how to remember their loved one. And so the the grief journey, I don't think it really ever does end um, for a lot of people, but I think it changes. It changes from uh, maybe reluctance to think about things to then embracing thinking about those same things. That's author Kevin Johnson and illustrator Kit Thomas. Their new children's book is called Cape, and it's out now. Thank you guys both so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this week on NPR's Book of the Day. Let us know what you think. You can write to us at bookofthedaya at npr.org. I'm Glenn Weldon. The podcast is produced by Isabella Gomez-Sarmiento and edited by Taylor Burney. Our founding editor is Petra Mayer. The show elements for this week were produced and edited by Samantha Balaban, Lucy Perkins, Ryan Bank, Melissa Gray, Fernando Naro Roman, Matthew Sherman, Shelby Hawkins, Anna Perez, Rina Advani, Julia Deppenbrock, Gabriel Donatov, and Shannon Rhodes. Beth Donovan is our managing editor. Thanks for listening. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.